0: Okay, so three phases of urine formation. First is filtration, second, reabsorption, third, secretion. So filtration occurs in the glomerulus of the nephron, and it's basically where water and solutes uh, are filtered through glomerulose into Bowman's capsule. Um, The second is reabsorption. Um, These both happen uh, these happen in the proximal convoluted tubule, the loop of Henle, and the distal convoluted and collecting tubules. So basically, the reabsorption, um, the water, solute, sodium, chloride ions, and glucose move back into the blood. And then there's secretion, which happens in the distal convoluted and collecting tubules. And that's when um, certain ions, nitrogenous waste products, and drugs occur. Primarily, this is the the reverse of reabsorption. The substances move from the blood to the filtrate. Um, ammonia, potassium ions, urea, uric acid, creatinine, creatinine, hydrogen ions, and some other drugs. They all move from the blood to the filtrate. Okay, this is a hormone that influenced uh, nephron function. Um, the posterior... Uh, pituitary gland releases this it's called ADH or antidiuretic hormone it causes the cells of the distal convoluted tubules to increase their rate of water reabsorption this action returns the water to the bloodstream which raises the blood pressure to a more normal level and causes urine to become more concentrated um This can happen in response to certain experiences such as fluid loss, through hemorrhage, diaphoresis, vomiting, diarrhea, or any other way that the blood pressure drops. The bladder can hold between 750 to 1,000 ml of urine. When a bladder contains approximately 250 ml of urine, the individual has a conscious desire to urinate. It's because the stretch receptors become activated and the message is sent to the spinal cord. A moderately full bladder holds 450 ml of urine. Two sphincters are gonna control the release of urine. The internal sphincter is located at the bladder neck is composed of involuntary muscle. As the bladder becomes full, the stretch receptors cause contractions pushing the urine past the internal sphincter. The urine then presses on the external sphincter, which is composed of skeletal or involuntary muscle at the terminus of the urethra. No, because I'm putting my dog to bed, going out of the room. Once the urine has been formed in the nephrons, it passes to the paired ureters. Ureters are extensions of the renal pelvis and extend downward 10 to 12 inches to the lower part of the urinary bladder. As the ureters leave the kidney, they remain in the retroperitonal space and pass under the urinary bladder before entering it. As the ureters enter the bladder at the uretovesical junction, internal mucous membrane folds act as a valve to prevent backflow of urine. This is the route for the urinary system. So basically it goes from the kidneys to the ureters to the urinary bladder to the urethra to the opening of the urethra. I think it's the urinary metis. Okay, pain assessment scale. Tell me about your pain. So we go by the mnemonic device, HILDA. H, how does your pain feel? Is it aching, throbbing, shooting, sharp, nagging? Um, Intensity, I is for intensity, 0 to 10. If 0 is no pain, 10 is the worst pain imaginable. What is your pain now in the last 24 hours? L stands for location. Where is your pain? Duration, D is for duration. Is the pain always there? Does it come and go? It's called breakthrough pain. Do you have both types of pain? And A stands for aggravating and alleviating factors. What makes the pain better? What makes the pain worse? And um, you want to ask, you know, how does the pain affect your energy, activity, relationships, mood, appetite, and sleep? And what are the, um, like, symptoms that are also um. There with the pain, you know, itching, urinary retention, weakness, sleepiness, confusion, constipation, nausea, vomiting, itching, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so pain management, um, this is a primary... Assessing and managing pain have been primary nursing responsibilities for a while. Um, In 1992, the standards manual by the Joint Commission, um, effective pain management was stated as one of the rights of a dying patient. And then in 1984, they broadened the statement to cover all patients, saying management of pain is appropriate for all patients, not just patients who are dying. Um, And so uh, when the Joint Commission... Of makes visits. They include a focus on what institutions are doing about pain management. And then in 1997, under a grant from Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, they began working to co- collaborate with institutions to create standards for pain management and treatment, with plans to conduct national quality improvement programs to help healthcare facilities meet these standards. Um, The TGC now requires accredited facilities and organizations to develop policies and procedures that formalize this obligation. Under the new standards of the Joint Commission, um, providers are expected to be knowledgeable about pain assessment and management, and facilities are expected to develop policies and procedures supporting the appropriate use of analgesics and other pain control therapies. The standards do not require or mandate the use of medications to manage pain. These pain standards require education for practitioners on pain assessment and management. Respect to the patient's right to pain management and assessment and management of the patient's pain. Um, They also, one uh, strategy for increasing accountability for pain was making it the fifth vital sign. Um, And so, routine assessment and documentation is important, uh, is required for pain management. Um, makes any presence of pain known and raises awareness of the problem of unmanaged pain. And um, because of the work of pain and palliative care associations, more attention is paid to pain management. And um, it basically is more likely that it's going to be treated proper properly. Um, they vital signs are monitored to detect uh, detect changes or trends and signal a need for further assessment. And considering pain, a vital sign or uh, ensures regular monitoring. Um, we use the pain scale. Um, The essential message is we need to ask patients about their pain, accept and respect what they say, intervene to relieve pain, and ask them again. It is a circle of assessment, intervention, and reassessment. Without assessment of patient with pain, none of the pain relief measures are useful. Approximately half the people who suffer moderate to severe pain continue to suffer primarily because nurses fail to assess pain. This is not okay. Um... And then um comparing the pain scale to the thermometer is a we'll way to discuss reporting it and um as with temperature the more the higher the sc- the score, the more concern and urgency are are warranted. There's a lot of Physical effects, um, increased oxygen demand, respiratory dysfunction, decreased gastrointestinal motility, confusion, depressed immune system associated with pain, emotional consequences that include um, anxiety, depression, irritability, and inability to enjoy life. And um, this is a big one. A patient's trust in a healthcare system will be hurt by um, suffering from neglected pain. Conversely, appropriate pain management results in quicker recovers, shorter hospital stays, fewer readmissions, and improved quality of life. So that's awesome. These are the stages of sleep. The first one is non-rapid eye movement. Um, It's the lightest level of sleep that lasts a few minutes. It includes decreased physiologic activity, beginning with a gradual fall in vital signs and metabolism. person is easily aroused by sensory stimuli, such as noise. If person just going to go in that. Uh, my... yeah. The person, person is usually, um, aroused by sensory stimuli such as noise if a person awakes it feels as though daydreaming has occurred reduction in autonomic activities like heart rate stage two is a period of sound sleep it lasts 10 to 20 minutes relaxation progresses arousal is still easy and body functions are still slowing stage three is the initial stage of deep sleep it lasts 15 to 30 minutes arousal is difficult movement is rare Muscles are completely relaxed. Vital signs decline but remain regular. Hormonal response includes secretion of growth hormone. Stage 4, this is the deepest stage of sleep. It lasts approximately 15 to 30 minutes. Arousal is very difficult. If sleep loss has occurred, sleeper, sleeper spends most of n- night in this stage. It restores and rests the body. Vital signs are significantly lower than during waking hours. Sleepwalking and enuresis are possible. Hormonal Response continues. OK, rapid eye movement, REM sleep. This is a stage of vivid, full-color dreaming consistent with sensory experiences. Less vivid dreaming sometimes occurs in other stages. First, begins first occurs approximately 90 minutes after sleep has begun. Therefore, it occurs at end of each NREM cycle. Duration, increasing with each cycle and averaging 20 minutes. Typified by autonomic response of rapidly moving eyes, fluctuating heart and respiratory rates, and increased or fluctuating blood pressure. Loss of skeletal muscle tone, responsible for mental restoration, stage in which sleeper is most difficult to arouse.